to Bathfield. We haven't been to Bath for years. I live in Cheshire, you know. And on my day off, generally speaking, I go to Bath for a pasty and I walk around, not to spend money because it's far too expensive in Bath to, to buy anything. And anyway, so we, I said, look, so let's risk it. Let's risk the COVID and let's go. And so we set off in the car, and of course, we come into Bath and we always get the park and ride. Because we're in ALPs and it's free for us. So we get the ride in and it's lovely. But when I got into Bath, it's not quite how I remembered it, not having been there 18 months or so. It was quiet. It was just quiet. And there were people around, not crowds of people, but enough to make a noise. And it was just quiet. In fact, it was dull. And actually, I was losing my enthusiasm walking around, so I said, let's just let's go and get a cup of coffee. And I'm thinking, there's something in me that's, you know, just not enthusiastic. What, what's the matter with me? But it's dull in Bath. Anyway, so we walk down the high street, uh, and I can hear somebody singing. And there's always somebody, you know, that was going to, was going to spoil peace and quiet. Somebody singing from a distance. So I decided not to go down the high street, but go down to the bottom, you know, where Max Spencer's is, round the back. So we went around the back, and it's dull even down there. And shops that are closed, you know, are not helping at all, going out of business. So I decided, well, let's walk back up the high street. So we walk back up the high street, and there's a guy singing in the high street. It's getting louder and louder and louder the nearer I get. And so we go to pass through, pass this guy, and, and that was sensationally loud. And as I noticed, there is a crowd of people around him. I mean, a full crowd of people. And he's singing something like Dancing Queen. And when he gets the chorus, everybody in the group starts singing. At the double of the word, Dancing Queen, Dancing Queen. And there's husband and wife doing this and you know what, <laughs> jumping around. And I have to walk to the middle of them and I'm thinking, this is great. This is, they don't know the words, but as soon as the chorus comes up, everybody joins in. Even though they're not sure of the chorus, it sounds familiar, let's get going. When you love to go to the church, get going. I really would. And there's nobody embarrassed, there's nobody afraid, there's guys we've been, you know, and all wobbling around singing. No problem. No sense of dignity, just let it go. Corporate, infectious, the, 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 when people get together, something spreads amongst them that's infectious. I want by the grace and the power of Almighty God for a visitation to come upon us that becomes infectious. I want us to catch that infection and I want us to become infected by it individually and when we get infected individually, submit to the presence of God. Submit to it. When we individually, then it will become corporate. It will so, so you, it, so in our churches, if we catch the vision, we catch the glory, we catch the presence of God, we'll walk into buildings and soon, bam, it'll be from square one the presence of God. It'll not need guys like me, or David, or musicians, to get us to where we're going. We are where we're going when we come in. 
They're walking in the gift. He's the author and the finisher. He's the conductor. He's the preacher. He is it. He is it. God, you're everything. I'm preaching up time on uh, expectation and to expect the unexpected. That's what we do as Christians. We're familiar with this expectation and expecting the unexpected. God put Adam to sleep and performed an operation to count a rib. Adam didn't know much about it. But he woke up in the morning, imagine, and God was walking through the beautiful gardens and said, Adam, you're right this morning. He said, I've got a pain in my side. He said, I don't know that one, I've got a right pain in my side. He said, okay, with that, that's all right. He said, I've got a surprise for you. Can you guess what it is? No, bro, it's death pain or what? Well, here it is, and God steps aside. Who steps forward but woman? What a surprise. From Adam, he hadn't got a clue, and God surprised him right there at the beginning, and Adam went, whoa, man. God says, that's a good name. We'll call it woman. Says he, the surprise of God. Here was Jesus, and he's crossed the Galilee, and he's come to the other side, and he sees two men that greet him, and these men he perceives are possessed by demonic spirits. I mean, these men were out, they're out of their head, they were, they were in some other world, and they were possessed by foreign spirits. And as soon as they saw Jesus, they said, Jesus, these are spirits talking, not the men. They said, Jesus, through the, through the guys, the two guys, what do you want with us? Don't cast us out before our time. And they did a deal with Jesus. Jesus sent us into the pigs. Because we heard of pigs. And Jesus said, go. And immediately, the demonic presence left those guys, legions of them, and straight into the pigs. The pigs ran for their lives over the cliffs, see the Bible, into the water below. What a surprising visit. The two men were surprised when Jesus walked up to them. The demons were very surprised because they weren't expecting Jesus to turn up the Lord of life, the one with the authority, the one that could deal with them. They would go where he would send them, whether it's the space or wherever it was, they would do exactly as he said. They were surprised. The pigs were just chewing away. What a surprise for them. But not all of a sudden, demons dropping on the neck and off the go running and jump off the cliff. And when Jesus went to the next town, the people had heard about it, came out and said, don't come into our town. Please don't come here. See, we're protecting all the pigs. Don't, don't, you disturb that moment. You intervened, you got involved, 
Don't surprise us. The surprises. One of the greatest surprises is when I became a Christian. When I went to a Billy Graham crusade, and he preached the most boring sermon I heard, and then all of a sudden he stood back and invited people to come down to the front in the great football stadium. I've told you the story before, and he stood back and invited them to come down to give their lives to Christ, to inquire about Christian faith, and they came in their droves, hundreds, because I was in a crowd of thousands, hundreds of them came down. Billy Graham said, I know that I'm not the greatest preacher, no one will come to listen to me, but he says, the only time that I feel an anointing, the presence of God, is when I give the appeal. That's when it happens. And when he gives the appeal, listen, he says, I am expecting there to be a response. He is expecting for a response. He's one of the greatest preachers, evangelists that this world has ever known. He's attracted crowds that no pop star could ever attract. He has preached to millions upon millions of people in his lifetime. Billy Graham. And his expectancy is that when he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, there will be a response. And what he does is so simple. All he does is lift up the glories and the wonders of Almighty God, lifting up the name of Jesus high by declaring it, declaring then the depravity of man and the need of a Saviour, and the hope, expectancy of salvation. That's all he does. Sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. And he's preached around the whole world. And millions of people have come to faith. Not by any clever tricks, just by declaring the word of God. Do not be surprised that God will do a surprising thing when you take God absolutely at his word, not watered down, not reconfigured, but as you read and see it, take it and believe it and expect God to do something on the basis of what he said he will do. I never expected one Sunday morning at Christmas time, Christmas day, getting ready to go to church up early, all the kids got the presents, and a tornado hit Cheddar. A tornado! Or a hurricane, what's the difference? I don't know. And it lifted my roof, the roof of my house. It was, it was a modern house. Tiles came off. And it lifted, apparently, my roof and plopped it down again and cracked all the walls. My little boy had got a bike for Christmas. He was out on it. And I just ran out in the hurricane to try and find him through the streets and I found him crying because of what had happened and this hurricane had blown him off his brand new bike, fortunately on the grass, and I picked him up, put the bike in the car and came home. It devastated many houses in Chet that Sunday morning. Was I surprised? I've never had a Sunday morning like that. And then I had to go to church and lead the Sunday morning worship. Surprise? I was surprised another Sunday morning when I went to church, and it was a Christmas morning, I don't know, it's either me at Christmases, and came home, having put the turkey in the oven, and we had a disused cat flap, and somebody else's cat came in, because 
the, the turkey, the cook was taken out of the oven and ate the turkey. Surprised? Surprised? Never imagined it. Didn't plan for it. Didn't expect it. But there the expect. I love this. Expectation. A feeling that something is about to happen. A mental picture of a future event. Wow. A prospect, a hope, a belief, an anticipation, an eagerness. I am tired of boring Christianity. I am tired of it being not even on a level field, it's below a level field, it's dull, it's uninteresting, there's no expectation, there's no delight, there's no laughter, there's no rejoicing, there's no fun, we live exactly opposite to what we see. I am tired of going to dead, boring churches where everything's watered down until it's irrelevant or doesn't mean anything. I'm tired of little pet talks that just make me feel good for a moment and nobody will give me the substance of the Word of God that I can take on with me and live by it. I have an expectancy that when I meet the living God, things change. I have an expectancy that when God shows up, we all join in. We all come together. I love it when there's a feeling in a group of people that something's going to happen. Everything that's happened to me, that's happened significantly, has always been with other people. Always been in a congregation. But that's always been in a congregation of high expectation. And when we begin to pray for one another, things begin to happen. Because people bring their expectation. I'm in the house of God. And we've got people. God is here. He's been declared. I'm expecting stuff to happen. Ah. Pastor in church. And um, God, as a, as a pastor sometimes, you know, you, you get up to here with problems. And when I get up to there with problems, I used to go and stand on the Malvern Hills. Now, if you've ever been on the Malvern Hills, they're wonderful. Not far from Cheltenham, near Malvern would be Malvern Hills. And I would go soon I up to the Malvern Hills, we'd stand on top of the hills. And I could look down, I could see the ocean, I could see where I come from, Cheltenham. And all the little houses in the different distance. And somehow, I used to feel above all the common problems. And somehow, just talking to God, things got really in perspective. And everything seemed so small compared to the might of these Mormon hills. And I thought, that's it. And every time, I used to go back to church and back to my common life, feeling on top of the problems, not underneath them. I now, and have done for many years, I have a little chapel. It's a little Anglican church that I go to, out in the Mendips. Soon I go there. It's our Bethel. I believe in special places. I believe that God inhabits special places. I really do. 
I want this to be a special place. God's space. This space is your space. We dedicate this space to you. That's biblical. We dedicate this to you. We go to our dedicated space and I got in with all kinds of problems with the children, with my home, with the stuff that's going on, the church, trying to solve situations and so on and how to run the church. And I'm telling you this, and this is no exaggeration. Every time I get in the car and I'm driving toward my Bethel, space where I meet God, I step into this church and open the door. Not many people know it's there. But the very first time I went, I felt the presence of God in it. And I open the door, so would I. And we go and we kneel just to the altar and pray. I'm telling you, I have never left that place knowing a prayer hasn't been answered. God has done everything miraculously that he has promised he would do. But I had to humble myself and go to the Bethel to get it sorted out. God said, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. Come to me, you are weary and heavily. I'll give you rest. I will do it. I will do it. And I've learned to have an expectancy. I've got a new place that I go to. You all know it. For some strange reason, I'm attracted to Castle Cary. Sue says, what's with Castle Cary? I have no idea. But I just pack the car up and I walk down the main street and I don't know if it's the light or the colour of the stone, but whenever I come away from Castle Cary, I'm not the only person that thinks this, walk away from Castle Cary, I feel like I've got all perspective. I'm in order again. But I go expecting to come back in order. I go to my chapel and I expect my prayers to be answered. I used to go on the mountain expecting. You see, the key to it is expectation. The Bible calls it hope. And many, the problem with hope is we change that word hope for something else. Hope means maybe to us. Maybe if all things are equal. Maybe if we get me ducks in a row. Maybe if maybe if maybe it all works out. Maybe if I can find some extra money. Maybe, maybe if the bank manager says maybe. It's hope. It's a hope. It's a hope. I'm going on holiday. I hope it don't break. I'm going for a run. I hope my knees don't give out. You know, it's a hope. The hope in the Bible has nothing to do with our understanding of hope. The hope in the Bible is absolute certainty. In slavery, days of slavery, when the people penned those wonderful Negro spirituals that we know, out of which came great hymns. And if you ever listen to their words, these people have been abused and enslaved and captivated and beaten and robbed. And the children robbed from them. They're singing this song. And it's a song of heaven. Their great expectancy is there's something beyond this. This expectancy is absolutely certain. There's a heaven. There is a glory. And we are going there. We are going there. We were built for this. We were built for that. I want to tell you, be expectant of heaven. Heaven is where it's going to all end or begin. Heaven is going to be absolutely amazing and wonderful. Expecting is a great expectation.
takes in your life, expect heaven. Because, because, listen to this verse. Just for I become a servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The word of God in its fullness. And watered down in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages past and generations. But now it's disclosed to the Lord's people. This book, the mysteries of God, become alive to us. Do you know how it comes alive? It's not your intellect. Because the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, is charging the Word of God in your life. Supercharging it. You can believe the Word. To them that God has chosen to make known amongst the Gentiles, listen to this bit. The glorious riches of his mystery. Well, what is that mystery called? Which is Christ in you. The expectation, hope of glory. And that word glory, alongside of that expectation, is telling us this. We own the mysteries of Christ, and the mysteries of Christ become alive in our living, and the miraculous workings of God in our life on a daily basis, they come alive, the mysteries of God become alive, we know God because we know how he works, we know God for what he does for us and within us, we know God because of our expectations, the labelled out for us, the expectations of God, he's written about them, all his promises are his expectations. I will do this. That's my promise for you. Does anyone remember the promise boxes? My mum used to have a promise box. As a lad, when I went to other, people's, other people in the church, they had promise boxes. I always wanted one because I thought there was some secrets, something in them. I discovered there were secrets in the box and they were made up of little rolls of paper. All in the box, packed it up. And every time you took one out and read it, you'd read a promise from the Word of God, from the mouth of God. A promise for me, for you, for the families. And God has said, These are my promises to you. And I have sealed them with my blood, my death and resurrection. These are my promises for you. I will not fail. It's a covenant promise. And the responsibilities of the promise is that you walk with me. If you walk with me, you will know me. And when you know me, you'll know my promises. And you'll know that I am a God who doesn't change and I will not break my promise. So you can stand by that promise regardless of what anybody else says, what any other preacher says, what any other counselor says, what the world says, what anybody else in your life says. Stand by this promise. It will come about. It may take time, but it's going to come about. Standing by the promises of God, expect it. Don't really not expect it, because what, what, does, what does expectancy come from? What does hope come from? 
It comes from faith. And faith is a gift. And I'm praying this. This is a prayer. And this is in the word hope, incidentally, in a translation of the word hope in the Bible. It means, it means expectation imparted. Imparting expectation. If you say this morning to me, Claude, I just, I just don't get the expectation bit. I just don't get, I can't do my, if I go expecting, I'm going to be disappointed. Well, you can psych yourself up to expectation. Here's the prayer. Start praying from this very moment and this day. God, will you impart expectation into my life? Give me the gift of faith so that I can expect the unexpected. I begin to live by that, expecting the unexpected. This word hope has got so, it's got ruined in our culture. There's another word that's getting ruined, and that I had heard on television the other day, you can't call people love anymore. Or petal. Or duck. Oh, I've got a bit of duck. Talking something big. Can't I'm a northerner. I'm brought up to say love to everybody. I even say love to blokes. You know, I don't love them. See you later, love. Don't love them. Anyway, the other day, the neighbour, I was talking to her. She's very down the line, is my neighbour. Very down the line. And we're talking about something to do with a piece of land, garden. And I start calling the love. I don't love me. I can't say really. Dear me, dear me. I won't, what a shame of me. And I've just been watching on television this debate about the word love. You know, it, it, it's suggested or it's demeaning or it's. Does a dog use the word love? And I know that I shouldn't be using the word love now, but I can't stop it. And when I tell my brain to stop it, <laughs> I start saying it even more. And I said, no, no. And, and so I had the conversation, I can't stop saying love. I'll right, see you later, love. Oh, no, not again. And it's just the word love. This better word expectation in the Bible means an impartation of expectancy. It is linked whenever it's used, that word hope in the Bible, with promises. It is also linked in the Bible with an expression of sure confession. When God, when you're trusting God for something, confess it. Talk about it. Don't hold it privately. Or confess. Confession. Assurance. Waiting for. And one last word it means is collect. Do you use click and click and collect at Asda or anywhere? I use click and collect when I buy from can you know what they call it? Amazon? No, 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 no. The other place where you go click and collect. Not it. I just oh thank you. If you want to come and sit here, can you help me? And I go, I just I pay for money, I, I, I have an investment, I go. Clear off when I'm driving my car. 
I'm not expecting anything else to collect than to collect from Argos. I turn up there, I walk to the till, show me mobile phone, I collect. With expectation, click and collect. Click and collect. I click onto God and I click onto his promises. Now I'm waiting for the collection. No good asking me, no good trusting anybody else. God will never fail. He will never let you down. I want to read to you. Why did I come up with two Bibles? Because I want to read this. This one is different. I want to read one Peter. Let me just read to you about the glories of God. I praise, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by His great mercy that we've been born again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because God raised Christ from the dead. These are all facts. Now we live, it says, therefore, now we live with great expectation. That's what it says here. Because he died for us and he rose again. Therefore, we live with great expectation. And I mean live with great expectation. I can't say this too precise. It's living is living now. Living is living when we go through those doors. Living is living when we get home. Living is living when we go to work tomorrow. Living is living whatever we're doing, wherever we are, whatever time of day or night, we are living. We are living by expectation. That's what the Word of God says. Why are we not then? Where does the Word of God say that we shouldn't then? And I have a lot of time for all the counsellors that dump it all down to something I'm thinking today and just get you through today, one step in front of another. My journey is driven by expectation. I'm a changed person. I've been born again. I'm not listening to the moon music here that will tell me all kinds of stuff. I'm not listening to my friends a lot because they say all kinds of stuff. I'm listening by the expectation that God has placed in my life through the death and the resurrection of his son. Which means that expectation is not a dull expectation, it's not a learned experience, it's an alive experience. Christ within me, the expectation of glory. And glory means, that word glory means, when I see him, I will see him with all his attributes, with all his wonders, it will be nothing like the Jesus of God that I ever imagined. I will know him then. And the other part of that glory is, he will know me. And I will know myself for the first time. Our big problems in life is that we don't know ourselves. We're always trying to find ourselves. Oh, I wish I was a bit different to this. Oh, I wish I was that. You know, we're looking. Listen, I'm, I'm, going for a, I'm going for a long walk to find myself again. I'm going on a pilgrimage to find myself. People who want to survive the pilgrimage to find themselves. When you experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life, you have found yourself. Well, I'll tell you this. And I made this up, but I think it's true. 
Let me just remember what it is for a minute. We talk a lot about me, we, me, us. I wasn't born again to be more like me. I was born again to be more like him. I'm not here to find myself, I'm here to find him. When you found him, you find an expectant God where there are no shades and no shadows. There's no lack of power, there's no lack of authority. There's no lack of clarity. There's no lack of hope. He doesn't even know it. He's mighty God. Born again into a living expectancy. Now we live with great expectation. And we have, you and me, have a priceless inheritance. Really? This is an inheritance bigger than my mum and dad could ever leave me, which was 800 pounds when they died. Or anybody else has ever promised. My auntie said, I'm gonna leave all my money to you, Claude. I'm gonna leave my house and everything to you. She promised she'd do that. I don't know why, because maybe I was the only boy at that time. I, I reminded him of something that had died. So she will leave everything to me. I ain't seen anything yet. She's been dead about 40 years. See? Don't trust the world as inheritance. Now we have this priceless inheritance as kept. It's kept in heaven for you. Do you know why it's kept in heaven? Because it's pure and it's undefiled. And it's beyond the reach of change and decay. I have some moments in my life. I love family life and I love my children, but bringing them up. Daddy, will you take us to, yes, I will take you to so-and-so. Daddy, will you take us this Saturday? Yes, I will take, I will take you. Oh, Dad. And they're all, all expecting me to take it to the zoo or something to have a great time. Dad gets a phone call. Well, can we, do you mind if we don't go today? I've got to go out and see some sort of And see many little faces on the children. Daddy, you promise. Daddy, you promise. Don't offend God by saying you say this, but you're not going to. Come on with the answer to your promise. I have an expectation on you, Father. My children, an expectation on me, I let them down more than once. I, this is the truth. I've never been away on holiday with my family without turning around and coming home because of a phone call. I just got to go back, kids. Fuck for a day, I'll be back tomorrow. Church life. I look back now and think, you stupid boy. You stupid boy. I always refer to myself as a boy, you realise. Their expectation that I was going to have a great time during on holiday. I've come home. Thinking it doesn't matter. When God breaks his promise, it does matter. And that's why you want. He's giving the message here about expectancy. Doesn't matter how long you wait, God's going to come through for you. Listen, we sang a little song. Five more minutes is fine. 
only song. Because we used to sing it as children. Expect a miracle every day. Expect a miracle and then you pray. If you expect it, God will find a way to perform a miracle for you each day. And in my Sunday school, a whole crowd of kids also in this. Expect a miracle every day. Expect a miracle when you pray. If you expect it, God will find a way to perform a miracle for you today. If you become like a little child and expect, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. Individually, corporately, and we'll have a new culture. Let me read to you one more passage. I mean, Goliath must have had a shock when they returned on. He didn't expect when the Philistines were going to invade the Jewish nation. Saul sent out all the soldiers from the Jewish nation to find them. And would you believe the Philistines, and when I say Goliath, from Satan, they say now, a culture of this world sent out Satan, sent out Goliath, big, they expect him to be fighter, armor, 10 feet tall, and huge, this wide. And he taunted the Jewish people day and night and paraded in front of them and every time they saw him they ran away. There's a little shepherd called David. He says, I'm not scared of him. He says, let me have a go. No, you, you can't David, you're the shepherd, you've no idea. You, you've not been trained in battle, you, you've not fought, you've no idea. Just, just, just go on. Give you, you, your brothers who are over in the battlefield, give, take him some food, take him some food. And he went and took the food and he saw this great giant. And all the Philistines says, in fear, he's too big to defeat. David in his heart says, he's too big to miss. And right there and then he determined against the fall of anyone else, everyone else, were in defeat. He had a different expectancy because he knew God. And he said this, who is he that he could come against the armies of God? Not against me, against the armies of God. And this little guy, with no armor on, walked up to this great giant who laughed with his booming voice, and David says this to him, he's ready to cut off his head. Is Goliath? This guy is small fry, and with a throw of one stone, he hit Goliath there. And never knocked his brains out. And he fell back and he took his head off. And that was the end of Goliath. Everybody had an expectation that the Jewish nation would fall that moment. They were surprised, so surprised, and a little guy with a shepherd turned up and said, leave this to me. They were surprised when Goliath walked out and never expected this to happen. How surprised was Goliath? He never expected the stone to hit him right on the temple and knock him out. All because God came. That's all. 
says the Bible, when you sow your seed, sow seed with great expectation. A farmer would never till the fields, he would never fertilize it, he would never capture it, he would never put down expensive seed, he would never do all the plowing, he would never watch over it day and night if he didn't have expectation of a harvest. Where is our level of expectation? It's time. I can do all things through Christ who threatens me. My power, Jesus says, is made perfect in your weakness. And my grace is all sufficient for you. Come on, abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. You'll bear love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And you'll add gifts to your talents. Be strengthened with all power. According to his glorious might, so that you can endure and grow fruit in every good endeavor. Faith is a confidence in what we expect, it's the assurance of things that we cannot see. We cannot be Christians, we cannot declare that we are Christians and not live in expectancy. We cannot boast being Christians and not have faith. Being a Christian means that we are born again in faith. 2 Corinthians, all of God's promises. This is the Bible that says this. All of God's promises are yes and amen. If they're not, then this is a lying book. And we shouldn't be here this morning. Take this one to heart and think about it. I will do whatever, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that my Father might be glorified. That's one to conjure with. The moments in our life when we've been so, so little money, and we've gone to bed at night, so and I haven't got money for the next day for the children to feed their children. And this is true. Sue has come down in the morning and she's found money on the work surface enough for us to spend. Now I can reason that away. I could say, oh, you never saw it or somebody left it there, but we didn't have that money. Or I can say, God sent an angel who sent some money as we were serving him and didn't have any. No means of getting it. He himself provided us with what we needed. And I've seen that testimony over and over and over again in my life. From nothing, God has given me the money after prayer and expectation and waiting and trial. There's been a breakthrough and something's happened and God has provided me with the very thing that I needed that's on housing, cars, everything. I was um, went to my church at once arriving and I had this old Cortina and the gear stick used to come out and drive and it just, just came out. And we'd be driving that work, no gear stick. It's what, 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 what? And it, it was a wreck of a car. 
And one morning I went to my church. As I went into the church, you wouldn't believe it, because nobody knew that this gay stick came out. What was waiting for me from that church? A shiny new car. So much so, such a surprise to me was it. And such a surprise to the president of our movement that he began to cry. I was surprised. I was surprised when that car wore out and had it years and years and years. And now I'm traveling around the country preaching and just got the worst car on the road. And I wasn't sure if you can get me to where I'm going. I one day I'm driving to Birmingham and passed me. Does anybody remember the Sierra cars? Anybody remember the Sierra? Well, the Sierra were nice cars, but I was in a moment where I was believing God for all kinds of things. And there I am, like this little bit, slowly, this car's going to shoot, shoot, shoot. And I'm thinking, there's all these people coming out of London with all the money. They've been entrepreneurs, investors, and they're not all serving mammon. I am serving God on the inside. And, I, and right past me was a Sierra gear. And it was in a silvery green colour. And I looked and I thought, oof. Then it came into my head. What are you driving around this clock town car? It's giving you anxiety and let me get to where you're going. Why don't you ask God for that? Just go. And something happened inside of me. I said, I'm going to ask God for one of these cars. I didn't have any money. I couldn't buy one. Anyway, I prayed about it and I never lost that picture. You know that picture with expectancy? Never lost that picture. That Sierra going past. And I got fixed. I'm going to have a Sierra. And it's going to be that colour green. And it's going to be a Kia. It's got all the extras on. That's what I'm going to have. What I'm going to have. You wouldn't believe it. It must have been about 12 months later. I got a phone call from a friend. Who says, we're selling off the cat stock at the place they worked for. And he says, some cars got for sale here. Yeah. He says, do you fancy one? I said, Joe, I ain't got the money. So don't worry about the money. He says, what would you like if you like a car? Oh, funny enough, he just asked me that. I said, I'd love a metallic green, a light green Sierra gear. He said, I'm just looking at one of those. He says, it'll be down at your house in three days. And it was, wasn't it? And that car served us brilliantly for years. Now that picture and promise turned into a reality because God did it beyond anything that I could imagine. He just simply did it. Expect God. He hasn't got his hand on favour of just me. I'm just like everybody else. Just simply one of the family of God. But I've been desperate enough to find out a way to cry when I had been desperate. I believe in the living God. I think I'll uh, pack it in there, look, it's time to go, David. <laughs>